You're listening to Beyond Busy, the show where we talk productivity, work-life balance, and how people define happiness and success. My name's Graham Alcott. I'm your host for the show, and this is our final episode of 2020. And my special guest is Colette Hennigan. Colette is the co-author with me of the book, How to Have the Energy. So we'll be talking all things nutrition. We'll be talking about her last year or so of getting very little sleep with young Iris and um, just parenthood in general. And we talk a lot about the process of writing this book, which we're really excited to share with you. So How to Have the Energy comes out in the UK on December the 24th. Now it's actually been brought forward slightly. Um, It was due to be the 7th of January. And then we found out that Amazon were bringing it forward. And it's also going to be in a few bookshops on the 24th of December already. So you can get it in bookshops. You can get it from bookshop.org if you don't want to buy from Amazon. And we'd love you to pre-order it from one of those places so that by the time it comes out, there's a bit of buzz and it's, you know, hacking the algorithms and getting up the charts and stuff. So go and pre-order your copy of How to Have the Energy. If you are in an area where you're lucky enough to have bookshops open, go into a real bookshop and pre-order it or order it there. And it'll be in those shops from the 24th of December. So check out How to Have the Energy. And then let's get into the episode. Here is my conversation with my co-author, Colette Hennigan. Colette Hennigan, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Doing really well on this uh, lovely November day. So you've been having tech gremlins and life gremlins, and I've been having tech gremlins as well uh, this morning. So uh, we're hoping the day is going to get better, the right? The podcast is going to make things all better, yeah, absolutely. No <laughs> pressure. Sounds good. And we're here to talk about our book release, How to Have the Energy, which apparently is going to be in some shops from... Uh, Boxing Day, but officially comes out on January the seventh, twenty twenty one. That's news to me about Boxing Day. Actually, that's good to know. <laughs> well, and Andrew from our publisher Icon sent me that in an email, oh. but then Amazon still has it as the seventh of January. But I think it's like they're trying to get it into a few shops for, um, you know, post Christmas, New Year, New You, and all that stuff. Right. Well, it's perfect for New Year, New You. So that's that's good to know. Indeed. Um, so we're going to talk a bit about the backstory of how we came to write this book and um, really focus on helping people to have the energy for not just work, but also life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, like me working with you um, really changed my ability to have great energy in the work that I do. And I often explain it to people like I used to get a slump in my afternoon at sort of half three, four o'clock. Mm-hmm. And for a long time in my twenties, my, my way to solve that was to go and buy a whisper bar from the news agent around the corner and then pour a really strong coffee and then sort of keep myself going for a couple of hours and then just crash at like seven o'clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've really learned through working with you how to do that much more sustainably, um, i.e. not looking for sugar and caffeine to boost me, but looking for natural energy that is much more sustainable. So let's get in and talk about um, that. So I suppose the first question is, how did you come to start being interested in nutrition? And just tell us a bit of your backstory real quick. Absolutely. Yeah. So just like you, that was one of my strategies was, you know, using caffeine and sugar or just like high carbohydrate food that was easy on hand to, to fuel myself. So I didn't start life out as a nutritionist, as a coach, uh, as a, in the capacity at all that I'm working now. I was uh, working within a sales career, global sales career for a telecoms company, traveling a lot, managing a team doing lots of great stuff, but under lots of pressure. And mealtimes for me and food was very much an afterthought. So it's something that I would grab along the way or skip to save time. Because of course, you know, that was all a cost to to my efficiency and productivity. At least that's what I thought. So uh, I, I was 
making bad choices on a regular basis, I guess, um, in terms of taking care of myself. I wasn't necessarily doing that very much. I was taking care of business. And and so how it changed for me was that I, I really realized that I was saying no to a lot of things personally, socially, family-wise, uh, and I just really didn't have the energy for stuff. And and so this this really became a bigger thing for me to be carrying around and uh, and not doing the things. I just realized that, you know, on a Saturday, I used to spend most of the day just recovering from the week. And so I made, I made some small changes in my lives, got really inspired reading about things like food and health and how we could uh, do small things for ourselves to make a difference. And in doing so, actually resigned from that career and went back to uni and started all over again. Um, studying health and then um, into nutrition. And the rest is history, shall we say. Uh, and that's where I am now. And so most of my work, Graham, as you know, is with people that were like me. So they're working, uh, they have an action-packed week, action-packed schedules, uh, probably juggling family life too. And they're looking for ways in which they can integrate tactics, tips, lifestyle changes that are not going to change their day too much but will change their 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 energy and and so that's for the past decade that's what i've been working on you know yeah we've got to make this more simple it can't be all of these special diets it can't be all of this like really difficult things to pick up and a master we don't have to all be these incredible chefs or you know instagram famous to create a, a lunch that includes avocado um we just need to be able to know right if I look at that now, what's going to make sure that I'm going to be on the ball for the rest of the day, for the afternoon, um, to have the, the, the life to, to do the things I want to do. And now as a working mum, that's what I do. Yeah, for sure. And when we started working together, I'd, I got in touch with you and, and we'd met a couple of times before. And I said, and I think I said to you, can you tell me which vitamins to buy so that I have better mental health and more energy? And you were like, um, let's start with what food you eat rather than what vitamin <laughs> you should buy and go from there, which is what yeah. we ended up doing. And then, so you basically became my coach for probably about six months or so, wasn't it? It and, was, um, yes. During that time, what was most interesting to me was how I started to feel like I had much more energy very quickly. Like within a couple of weeks, I could really see a difference with it. But also I wasn't massively having to like overhaul my diet or do anything too radical. Mm -hmm. It was often the things on WhatsApp you were saying, Hey, just add in a few nuts to this plate or just, you know, switch out this, um, uh, normal spaghetti for black bean spaghetti or, you know, just things like that that, were, that felt quite simple to do. And it wasn't a huge, it wasn't a, a huge set of changes. It didn't involve me spending loads more of my, of my time, which I didn't have mm -hmm. on cooking. Um, but yeah, it was those small things that made a big difference. So yeah. has that always been a big part of your approach? Totally. Yes. Because there's, if you look into like the nutrition marketplace, there's loads of information, but actually what we need to move from is that kind of information to doing and the translation from that just, I didn't feel was there because it wasn't there for me when I was in that, that old role. Cause I would pick up a magazine, there'd be an article and I think I can't apply this. I'm just too busy. That's for people that have loads of time, right? You know, that's for people that don't have lives like me. And so yeah, I've dedicated a lot of, of my work to the translation piece. So how do we actually make this happen every day? And, you know, so even on those really bad days when we're just, you know, the going has really got tough. Actually, that's probably one of those days for me today. <laughs> how do we ensure on those days that we still have good food in we can make some we can make some strong choices for our positivity and our energy but equally it's not going to have required lots of thought and you know distracted me from the other things that I need to do and so that is absolutely the approach and and I think that's you know really worked for me so far and obviously it worked with you because I translated this into uh, little bite-sized points for you to do and for you to be able to apply to your busier life as you know or, or you know a parent a business owner and all of the things that you have within your busy weeks yeah for sure um and some people might be listening to this if you're a regular listener to beyond busy and thinking 
Haven't we talked about this before? <laughs> and we did about a year ago, didn't we? Because this book, we're basically re-releasing it. It was originally called Work Fuel. Mm-hmm. And we had, we were kind of, I was kind of under pressure at the time to create like a series of books around Productivity Ninja. And I think because that was, it, that kind of felt like it was going to be a good idea. It felt, and it felt, it felt it, right. Like it fitted, didn't it at the time? Yeah. yeah. Felt like it all fitted, but I think somewhere we got we kind of got a bit stuck between the idea of a productivity ninja's guide to nutrition and then the idea of work fuel. And I think basically it didn't sell very well. Is the is the I guess the um, the the very quick radio edit of the whole thing. But like, <laughs> but I think part of the reason for that was you know, we would go into bookshops and it was just on really weird shelves, right? So yeah, sometimes we couldn't find, find it. Yeah. Sometimes it'd be on the business shelf. Sometimes it'd be on the self-help shelf. Sometimes it, I think at one point it was under like science or something. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. In one bookshop I went into. And, and so like, it was really difficult for people to find. It didn't really feel like it fitted anywhere. And what we've done is just basically taken the essence of that book, made some updates to it. And then we're re-releasing it with a much more, I think, clear uh, title, which is how to have the energy. I, I, I think a much clearer cover. I think the cover's great mm-hmm. that we've that we've um, finally come up with. Um, and I was talking about this on my mailing list a couple of weeks ago. Um, anyone listening to this, if you're not signed up, I do this thing on a Sunday night called Rev Up for the Week, where I just send a positive thought for the week ahead. And I'd talked about that story of okay, it was called Work Fuel, didn't sell very well, so we're we've kind of repackaged it and we're relaunching it. And someone replied to my email saying, I love how you just owned the failure of it and you didn't shy away from it. And, you know, so it feels like an important story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your, cause also it was like your first book as well. So what were your reflections on releasing work fuel first time around? Uh, yeah, I think hindsight obviously is always a great thing. And as you say, at the time, uh, productivity ninja, was a great is a great seller it's been an international best-selling book uh so to be associated with the book we thought was of course that is going to be an absolute great thing to do um however unfortunately we kind of fell somewhere in the middle of our two markets which was busy busy people that are looking for productivity but looking to kind of feed themselves better um and we just didn't capture that market so in hindsight uh yeah perhaps the productivity ninja just didn't kind of resonate when it came to food in the same way as it did to work. Um, and yeah, and for me, if you look at the reviews on any of the different platforms, uh, people consistently mention that their energy is better. People that have contacted me uh, that have actually bought the book and then taken the time to send me a nice note, they've mentioned that that's their energy is better. So we know that the output of doing the things that we have written about is, is energy. So I think we for for a title now how to have the energy i don't think we can get any clearer on what it is that we're trying to work on and uh yeah so i really hope that that this time uh people can look at it and get a good feel of what it is that they're buying into and perhaps it's maybe answering a question for them right now and obviously we're in a bit of a special time unusual times as we're currently in and in my work as a coach the key thing that keeps on coming up is people are feeling tired and uh, the working from home elements of that perhaps are, are now starting to wear thin um, and looking for ways and tactics, routines to to really help them. And all the time I'm going back to how to have the energy, work fuel, principles to help people. So I really, I really feel like we've got a moment. But yeah, if we could go back and change it uh, back to March 2018, it was um, then obviously that'd be great. But we're so, so blessed that we're able to, to look at it differently this time. And there has been some tweaks to the book, um, which we'll talk through, uh, in, in the, in the way in which we think we can get across the message more, um, practically. Yeah. And you were, you were phoning me up panicking on, uh, was it Friday last week? And it was about four o'clock. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm you know, change this the- thing in the, in the book. And it was like, yep. Which is always a difficult <laughs> thing because then it's like, you're asking me, can can I call Ellen, our, our joint editor, and tell her that at the very last minute we want to change some stuff, which is never a good 
conversation to have but Ellen was cool right yeah yeah I mean I guess <laughs> these unusual times that we find ourselves in trying not to use certain words uh, that are repeated all the time in media when we're talking about these times but uh, you know the world has changed um into a point where we are working differently and using different strategies for work and I, so I think it's really important that the next release actually has uh, taken that into account so we have a little bit of that context applied so that those were the the final changes that I was uh, talking about and uh, uh, on Friday well let's talk about working from home in a minute mm. I just wanted to also say on the title uh, the work fuel if you break it down into two words neither of those words are particularly aspirational <laughs> no, right? it's a good whereas, point yeah yeah that is what whereas I think how to have the energy like yeah I want to have the energy you know um and for somebody who sat there getting that 4 p.m. slump to be able to look at it the other way around and say, oh man, I wish I had the energy or I'm not doing that thing because I don't have the energy. And it's like, okay, well, we can help you to have the energy. And then, you know, so it feels a bit more of, an, of a kind of aspirational uh, promise in the title. Totally. But yeah, like, yeah. Like you were saying before, though, if you look at the reviews on Amazon, you know, the people, I mean, you know, we did sell a few thousand as well, but like the people when they did buy the work fuel, version of the book um called it things like it's a hidden gem it's changed my energy levels like people did really love it right so i think that's why it felt like this is an important thing to to try and get it out to a much wider bigger audience definitely actually there's been a number of reviews that have said i actually bought this book by mistake this is on audible <laughs> i think uh, yeah i think there's two or three on audible that said i broke and i'm not just spending all my time reading reviews by the way honest um but they said i, I bought this book by mistake and boy am i glad i bought it and uh, and you're like oh wow so they actually thought the title meant something else um so yeah. this is when we know we've uh, we've definitely got to do something with it and yeah that's, that's when you know that the title was broken but the content wasn't <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the content wasn't yeah we, you know we spent a long time working through that i've spent years uh mastering uh, uh you know some of these translation pieces and it's worked time and time again and so we know it's tried tested and successful and we've now got it in book form please people you know we want to get this into your hands and for it to be useful how do we do that and so yeah how to have the energy uh hopefully hits hits that mark better this time yeah my when people talk to me about business books and obviously i've i've written a few and also for this podcast i end up reading a lot as well mm -hmm. i think for me there's always like three things that make a, a business book successful um one is you've got to have content that people actually relate to and use mm -hmm. and, you know, can actually be informative or helpful in some way. Um, but actually that's probably the least important out of the three. Right? <laughs> um, the second one is you've got to have a good title and a good cover. And I think that whole thing about never judge a book by its cover is just wrong. I think books are totally judged by their cover. Yeah. I've got many bookshelves um, filled with books that I've bought oh yeah, right. just for their covers. Yeah. <laughs> the cover. And then, and I think particularly, you know, a lot of people have said that to me about Productivity Ninja, which obviously did sell really well still and continues to, is that people say, oh, you know, I was just in an airport and that book jumped off the shelf to me because mm -hmm. of, of the cover. Mm -hmm. And I think having a good title and a good cover is, is just so important. Um, and the third one is you've got to kind of hit a zeitgeist as well, right? So that's not really in your control, mm -hmm. particularly when as an author, you're kind of starting the project two or three years before it comes out probably. Um, you know, you've really got to try and hit that, hit the right thing at the right time. And there's an element of luck to that, right? But it for, for me, it's only about, you only get to make that luck or, take advantage of it if you've got those other two things in place of having a good cover and really good content that kind of knocks people out. Right? I wish you'd talk me through these three things, you know, at the start of our journey. <laughs> I think we did. I think we thought Workfield was a good title. Yeah, just kidding. Yeah, and, and like you say, it isn't aspirational, but actually for it's functional. You know, it is. it does what it says on the tin. And I guess uh, it, it actually does give you fuel for working whatever capacity that may be whether you're working at home with your children whether you're working in an office with colleagues or that you know you're working to get fitter the fuel is there then in a different manner you know to uh, to kind of access but I think yeah 
the aspirational element and what we all wish uh, for is perhaps not the the functionality of things but uh yeah to address something a bit more simplistically well it's also for, for me and you if we because we work for ourselves mm-hmm. then if our work is boosted that you know probably puts a few more pennies in our bank account it's probably you know there's probably so many things about that that are really attractive but you know for most folks just rocking up and doing a, a nine-to-five job for a company the idea of work fuel is like i'm going to pay for a book that is actually going to benefit somebody else which is my boss yeah, right yeah, true. whereas how to have the energy like that benefits me like having better energy benefits me. this is true let's talk about the nine point plan so the i guess the the what's central to the approach are a few things that really focus on habits because i suppose what we wanted to do in the book was was to do two things. One is like, here's all the practical stuff you need. And we've got recipes in there. We've got some really good rules of thumb, different ways to think about carbohydrates and proteins and all of that stuff. But we wanted to also link it, like you were saying at the beginning, as something that bridges that gap between knowledge and information and habit change and behavior change. And so really the idea with with the nine-point plan is to kind of say, here are the principles that you look at everything through, right? The lens that you look at everything through. So should we just talk through, like, maybe we don't talk through all nine um, right now, but like, let's talk about a couple of those key um, parts of the nine point plan. And I suppose the first one to mention is choose how you want to feel. So do you want to talk, talk about that? Mm, yeah, uh, definitely. So the nine point plan is our nine point high energy plan uh, now. So these are the the nine things that if you are aware of and you use, as, as Graham described, as a lens, then they're absolutely going to aid you to make strong decisions that are going to power you, give you the, the vibrance and vitality that you, you want to have. Hence the reason our first one is actually giving you the empowerment of you choosing how you want to feel. So that's that's the, the first one is choose how you want to feel. And for me, that feels like a real strong way of setting up my day that no one else is dictating to me my energy levels. Uh, and if they aren't as much as I want them to be, perhaps it's something that I can do within my power to change that. And for most people, that is true. And and so when we look at our cupboards, our fridge, you know, what's on offer in the coffee shop, we can say, ask ourselves really quickly, well, how do we want to feel? And And looking at different foods through that lens as well, right? So sometimes you, when you pick, when you're at the counter in Starbucks or whatever, um, you know, you can probably look at a lot of those cakes and think, oh, that'll be nice. That'll be a little treat, but actually they're not going to make you feel that great. Exactly. And so looking at food through that way that I found that really helpful rather than thinking, you know, often I would choose stuff out of functionality. Like if I'm on the go and I'm busy, it's like, what can I eat in the quickest possible way, mm-hmm. quickest possible time. And sometimes you choose things based on temptation or having a sweet tooth or whatever. But like often I wouldn't be thinking I'm going to choose this thing because I know it's going to, you know, really just give me a better payoff in terms of energy. So I think, you know, that was a really helpful thing for me is just to start using that, you know, using that mindset when I was making those choices. And I think mm-hmm. once you start to do that, you start to see big results, right? Yes, exactly. So w- without all, even the other data and the other finer kind of points and tips and strategies, just having that as that forefront of mind is really elegant and powerful for your choices. And uh, again, we are not using the word every time because sometimes it's just not going to wash and you're going to start, you're going to go, I don't give a crap. I'm going to feel later. I just want that, you know? And, yeah. and so what, you know, this is, it, it's not all of the time. It's most of the time that counts. And so most of the time this will work. And I think when we started to unpack the things that really worked with you and I, and then with the other uh, kind of clients that I've worked with over the times, uh, this was a real, really powerful mantra that lots of people took away was just having that power to choose how you want to feel. And 
being able to just look at whatever the food options are, whether you're in a restaurant, whether you're on a, a flight somewhere, love to be on a flight somewhere at the moment, but whether you're yeah, very <laughs> yeah, nice going somewhere warm and sunny, um, that you could just make that choice for yourself. And so that mindset is the foundation then of your high energy. And sometimes that's about willpower as well, isn't it? And the the time I always have you in my head is when I get to the biscuits and chocolate aisle in the supermarket. So there, there's a one, <laughs> one of the little simple tips in the book, which is really great, is just when you go to supermarkets, shop from the outsides. Mm-hmm. So if you think about most supermarket layouts, it's like all the kind of fresh stuff, all the stuff that doesn't need to sit on a shelf for six months or three years or whatever in a, uh, you know, tin or a vacuum packed Ten packet years, is generally around the outside, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's a really good little tip. But if I do go down the biscuit aisle and stuff, one of your little things that always I have in my head is your idea of, uh, don't use up your willpower at home. Do you want to just talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the key elements of, of being able to choose what you want is that at the moment we're finding ourselves a lot of the time at home. So if the only options you have for lunch is a pack of biscuits going, what are you going to eat for lunch? Equally, if you're going through a particularly, you know, challenging day and the biscuits are calling your name from the cupboard because you know you bought them yesterday, then what are you going to eat? You're going to, you're going to go for the biscuits and you will eat them. And, you know, I don't blame you because, willpower only goes so far and you know this also within the work that you do around productivity that you can only trust willpower to a certain extent and we have a little part of willpower that we spend every day and we probably spent up quite a lot already on zoom calls or whatever nowadays (laughs) so um let's not try and use that for our for our food choices too so you eat good food when you have good food in whether that's in your fridge in your cupboard in your bag in your glove compartment, in the in the car, because you spend a lot of time on the road, in your briefcase, whatever that may be, in your um, changing bag with your kids. Um, you eat good food if you have it. So you've got to be buying this stuff consistently in order for you to actually eat at those appropriate moments, because there's going to be a time when we're hungrier than we thought was going to be. The day is overran. All of these different things that just life throws at us quite naturally, that's going to happen time and time again. And we can't always mitigate for those happening. But what we can mitigate for is just having good stuff in. Yeah. And your your tip about don't use up your willpower at home, I take as being a sort of it works both ways thing. Mm. right? So what that means is I need to make sure I don't put loads of temptations in my fridge so I don't buy chocolate and biscuits and stuff like that. And I just have to have really strong willpower to not put those in my basket in the shop once. And then that means for the next week when I'm at home, I'm not going to be constantly tempted by those things, looking at those things. Mm -hmm. But it also means that if I'm out and about in a restaurant and I want to have a dessert, then I'll have a dessert. And sometimes if I'm walking past the shop and I crave a whisper bar at that point, I'll have a whisper bar. Right. And so I think, you know, doing that, doing that, that sort of consciously in the way that you shop, and, you know, not bringing the stuff into your house that in- involves having to use up willpower to keep again and again and again. Yes. Means that means that it's just easier to, um, to, to just, you know, end up with a, a, a more high energy, balanced, healthier diet. And, but that probably leads us on to consistency beats intensity, right? So that's again, one of our, one of the points of the plan, um, so what what do you mean by consistency beats intensity? Like I kind of alluded to it already, you know, it doesn't have to be all the time. And also equally, it doesn't have to be this like massive overhaul of your life, your kitchen, your shopping habits, your tastes even, because you may not even like some foods that are perceived as healthy and that kind of thing. So a lot of the the kind of jumps that we have to get over to make lifestyle changes, are, we often say, oh, it's just too much. Um, you know, it's too overwhelming. Well, actually, it's not. The small things that you can do every day will always beat you doing, a, you know, a green juice cleanse for seven days or the fact that you went to the gym for se- seven days in a row, but then never did anything for, for the rest of the month. 
if you instead was just doing 10 minutes of something every day for that month, that is going to change your life. That is going to change your physicality. The same thing for food. If there's a small thing that you can do every day consistently, that's going to really change you and your approach because it often has a knock-on effect to other choices as well. But that's going to have the bigger difference than to just, you know, one day juicing smoothies or suddenly eating spiralized raw food or you've suddenly gone keto or you've you've fasted for three days this kind of high intensity lots of investment um from your time energy perhaps even pocket as well um the small things those are the things that are going to pay off in the long term so the tortoise really does beat the hair when it comes to lifestyle changes and especially your food changes Two other things I want to talk about from the book. So um, in Productivity Ninja, I talk about ninja preparedness. Mm. And we talked about be prepared in this book as well. Um, what are some of the really, because this is really where it gets magical for me is how you can just, rather than cook a meal for two, you can cook it for six. Mm-hmm. And it's the same effort, basically. Mm-hmm. Same same amount of time uh, standing next to your cooker and, and watching what's in the wok or whatever. But then you've got, you know, four portions of that meal to have over the next couple of weeks. You can put some in your freezer and that kind of thing. So tell us more about some of those things that you can do that can just really help you to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the one that you just mentioned there, that this is the concepts of leftovers, not being an afterthought, but actually being, uh, you know, the thought, of the meal so the pre-thought as you're chopping if you're going to chop one so next over rather than yeah so you're thinking about what can i eat next so again that's another if you like mantra or question to ask yourself uh that's what we explain in the book a little bit further which is what what can i eat next as you're preparing for that meal so if the oven's on you might as well throw something else in then you don't have to put the oven on perhaps for the next the next meal uh, or, you know, the next day. So just thinking about those next overs in a, a bit more of a just regular fashion and it always pays off, always pays off. And just throwing whatever that may be into, into the oven at the same time as you've got other things on. I talk about, you know, putting things like potatoes in, sweet potatoes, aubergines, courgettes. And these things can just be thrown in whole into um, an oven that's already getting hot. And then these things are cooked for another meal. And also you can have that stuff in your fridge, right? Squashes and sweet potatoes and stuff. And then just you've got them to throw into a salad and just bulk out a salad. And- yeah, they don't have to be eaten warm. They can make a, a you know a base of a gorgeous salad. They can be a side dish for something else. Maybe you buy um, a piece of cooked meat that's already done, but you add veggies to the side that you've done yourself. And, and it's all about making it easier for yourself. So when you, you start to think about that ninja preparedness, being prepared just means that you you think about that in a, a you know a proactive fashion rather than oh look I've made more than I needed tonight it's like I made more than I needed because I planned to um and just that just being part of how how you live and and again this also comes back to the fact that you're going to have good stuff in so you've got your shopping list and we talk about that as well within the book, you know, how to make a good shopping list, uh, you know, a week, what you need to buy weekly versus monthly, etc. How to have things like really good tinned options in really good frozen stuff because frozen, you know, your freezer is your friend. Loads of meals that you can pair within 10 minutes that's in your freezer and all you need is, a, you know, a hob to to uh, to utilize these nutritious things. So it's it's those 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 kind of really uh bite-sized things like just having a good good stock freezer may just be your takeaway from that but that will serve you time and time again in terms of being prepared yeah and all of that's in the book isn't it like we've got shopping lists in there we've got loads of recipes for breakfast lunch and dinner i think the other thing that changed for me is just being much more strategic with my freezer both freezing stuff that i've already cooked and also just having you know frozen veg and and then in, in the cupboard, having like tins of, you know, butter beans and chickpeas and kidney beans. I'm vegetarian. So, you know, most of what I eat, you know, the the, the proteins often come come from the, the sort of kidney beans and chickpeas. And, yeah. And I mean, stuff, right, rather than meat. vegetarian or not, that they are, a, you know, a staple for, for, for most kitchens, I would say, if not all, to have those in, those tinned options. And then if you do eat fish, having lots of tinned fish as well. So things like salmon and mackerel tinned are just great options to, to add to a meal that suddenly transforms it from okay to 
this is going to make me feel great later. Should we just talk about Eat the Rainbow mm. and the high energy plate? Because I suppose a lot of people might be thinking, okay, so what exactly do I need to eat? Or like, what's the rule of thumb when I'm looking at a meal? So we, we've tried to capture that really in, in the high energy plate and the whole idea of Eat the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so let's start with the plate then, because then it kind of leads into the rainbow. Um, so we wanted to visually capture what this means because again, we don't want to be, uh, kind of complicating matters for people. And that was really clear in all of the work that I've done is that, you know, people just are confused. Where should we start? There's so many kind of myths around, uh, healthy eating and what we should or shouldn't be doing. So it was just so people had a visual representation of a plate and uh, how the proportions of the plate could be made up. And again, this isn't, you know, isn't precise in the, in the sense that it's, you know, you're counting your macros and your micros to get a certain aesthetic. This is, we're trying to feel energized and well. So if you look visually at your plate, you know, you look at a plate of food in front of you and think about the fact that half of it should actually be rainbow plants. So this concept of eat the rainbow, I think, has become more available recently. More important people are talking about the the uh, the importance of having a diverse diet for one, but also a colourful diet for health. And health and immune health especially is top of the agenda at the moment globally, I'd say. So I've seen a lot more about it on social media being talked about, um, you know, in more in mainstream media as well. So eating the rainbow, what does it mean? Graham, what does it mean? You tell me, I've hopefully uh, coached you on this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I remember um, at one point I was, because what we were doing is I was sending you photos of every meal on WhatsApp and then you were commenting on. And one time I put together a salad and I was think I was feeling pretty smug about it. But when I sent it to you, everything on there was green. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can get a certain amount of nutrition by eating your greens, right? There's a reason why that's a, a sort of, you know, cliche that your mum will tell you, you know, to eat your greens. But I do think, you know, like what you really taught me was that you can get different kinds of nutrition and, um, you know, different values of foods by looking at the different colors of stuff, right? So on that green plate of salad, why didn't I just add a carrot or some beetroot or some red pepper or, you know, just taking those, those different colors and, you know, and, and just the simple idea that you get a, a broader range of nutrients by having a broad, broader range of colors on the plate, basically. Exactly. You've encapsulated it perfectly. That's it. Each color has different gifts to give us in, in terms of the, the, you know, the different nutrients that are within there. If you really want to know what purple, um, you know, represents within a beetroot, then that's obviously something you want to go down those lines. And in the book, we have given some of that Anything detail. Book, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but you also don't need to know that. That's the thing that you also don't need to know that. You just need to know, eat the rainbow. And you need to know that how much it needs to be about half your plate, roughly every meal, not just one meal, but every meal. So breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, and sometimes your meal isn't presented like a plate, you know, kind of portioned out. Maybe it's a curry, maybe it's a soup. But if you just mentally kind of figure out, oh, this this is a veg and chicken soup or a veg and bean soup. So it's got, yeah, probably roughly at least half of it is going to be these veggies of different colors. Then that's great. And it's just about being able to think of it like that. Because there's also two other elements to the plate, just so just to... Um, elaborate on that a little bit further half of the plate is these rainbow plants so thinking about getting those in those different colors each time and not seeing it as kind of a labor but as an upgrade so changing uh, the way you see adding things as the upgrade on your energy and then the other two quarters of the plate are um, uh, protein and also smarter smarter carbs. And we talk about those in the book, what smarter carbs are, but essentially they're in the non-processed kind of carbohydrates. Um, so the, if you think about all the whites of, of our lives, uh, that we're, that are available to us, the white pastas, the white breads and the kind of bread that the ducks don't eat. I say that because, uh, 
<laughs> I don't know if they're just the ducks in our area, but having a, a little toddler, we spend a lot of time feeding the ducks and uh, we take some quite nice food down for them, some seeds and also some peas they like as well. Um, Your area is too posh if the ducks were in It's too posh, yeah, yeah. But you'll see a big pile of this white bread and the swans are like, hmm, I don't <laughs> want that. And, and, and do you know what? It can be there a few days and it still looks the same and that's really quite worrying that uh, no one really wants to eat it because they're quite clever. So avoid that. Avoid that and smarter carbs. Yeah, um, so smarter carbs, uh, you know, the more, if you think about whole grains, the stuff that is has got few ingredients within it um, or it's not been adulterated at all, like the, the beans that you described, you know, it's just a bean, the ingredient is chickpea or a kidney bean, for example. And there's a lot of myths around carbs, isn't there? So I think we've become a culture that sees carbs as like the enemy mm. and, you know, no carbs till marbs or that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I think also there's certain foods that people have given a bad rep to, like they're told that they shouldn't eat potatoes anymore. Or Or bread. Yeah. Bread's a bad guy. Bread, you know, and so you like, you can eat well with potatoes. You can eat well with bread. It's just about making good choices, right? Yeah. It's just about thinking about the, you know, the the processing that goes into it it a little bit. And we do have one of the the, uh, points in the high energy plan is about being label savvy. So if there's something that you're buying regularly, you know, we used to call it the daily bread for some people, it still is daily bread and that's fine. It is for me for sure i love i love bread but i just buy the good stuff it's got a weight to it it's got three ingredients uh, it's actually made locally versus uh you know got a long shelf life in the supermarket um but even if you are buying supermarket breads you can get similar uh you know, kind of presentations of bread when it's got a whole list of ingredients maybe 25 you know suddenly that you've gone off the, the off topic if you like um which you know when i'm talking about food i can sometimes do that because i'm so passionate about it i love i love my sourdough bread Mm. but the problem is i just don't love having to cut it up (laughs) and i just can't believe like if i had to start a business tomorrow it'd be sliced really well sliced sourdough bread (laughs) i just no one near me sells that i just i think i might have had this yeah i'm gonna buy you a really nice bread knife for christmas this year i've got i've got like i've got some good because I dated a chef for a while, so I ended up having to buy good knives and things like that. Um, but oh, it's just a labour, isn't it? It's just like, <laughs> it just feels like feels like too much hassle. And for the listeners, this this is a, an invitation into Graham's mind here, and this is what <laughs> I had to work with at the start, which is where the guy asked for, "Is there any pill that I can take so I don't have to eat?" Um, you know, just to I make think it I did easier. Say that to you at the beginning, mm. I? I think I said to you. I'm the kind of person where if I could get my full range of nutrients in a pill or a powder, then I, I'm done. Yeah, I'd totally know. skip all. And meals. I think that's why that's why stuff like um, Huel and those kind of products are really appealing to people, mm. isn't it? Because they just solve the problem without having to think about it too much. But um, they, I think we do. They need do to a certain extent, and this is what we've experienced. And obviously, we still work together, and we still talk about food, guys. So when I met. Uh, Graham, obviously, he was talking around uh, food as fuel, especially, you know, and looking to avoid meals and avoid all of the the kind of joy, perhaps, that comes um, for some people in preparing meals. Um, however, that that kind of has been cultivated a little bit because our brains don't work in a in such a linear fashion. So as soon as we start to care for ourselves, maybe care for the plate a little bit, what's going on it? Um, it actually goes from builds from there. And I still have all of the images that, that Graham sent to me as he was sending me photographs of his new food plates. And you do see like this progression of thrown on plate versus, hmm, actually he's put like a sliced egg on there on that side and some cherry yeah. tomatoes bordering it. And, you know, the avocado is just that. And it was just getting better and better and it looked better and better. And I don't think intentionally you were thinking, I'm going to make this look even better. It's just a side effect of having these beautiful ingredients as I would describe available and then having um you know the opportunities to do that and it doesn't take that much longer to put that there and that there because you know there is an element that um you know I say we're not linear and just living off a powder as human beings is uh 
not anything that's going to happen soon because food means so many different things to us. It's our social life. It's a bit of comfort. It's um, history in our family, you know, what we associate with our grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. So it's got so many other elements to it that we just can't solve it with a powder or a pill. Um, but at the same time, we can also really enhance it by being a bit more engaged when we're preparing it. Um and I think that's what you did by accident. Yeah, by accident, because I think once you start being just slightly more mindful about that piece that we talked about at the beginning, the choose how you want to feel, then you kind of want to show that to yourself on the plate. And then if you know you're taking a photo of it, then you just get a little bit more um, conscious of that as well. It's like, oh, I've, I've picked something red here. I want to make sure the beetroot's in the photo or whatever, <laughs> whatever it might be, you know? So, sure. so I just think over time I, and I definitely felt like I learned to enjoy my food, uh, more through doing that process than before. So I like, I, I sort of became more of a foodie. I would, I, I, I don't think I would ever really say I'm like a full on foodie, but I've definitely treated food as more than function since since working with you which was yeah one of those kind of surprise side effects if you like yeah the main thing for me was about better energy and better mental health and um definitely got there um through the book and before we finish i wanted to talk to you about working from home and um obviously that's been a big change this year where we originally wrote this book for a lot of people who are on the go and busy and you know, there's chapters in the book for uh, things like how to shop and how to thrive on the go and stuff like that. Um, but there's also a lot in the book about working from home and that's become a lot of people's more regular reality this year. So if you're um, someone listening to this podcast sat there regularly working from home and finding it difficult to juggle the the cooking and the work and and, and making that sustainable and healthy, then what tips have you got for those people to to really help make working from home work? Yeah, I think it's a, a really valuable point right now. Uh, we're, we're months into this practice now as well. So maybe we've even established new norms that, that aren't serving us. Uh, I know that there's a small percentage of people that have um, established new habits that are really, really good and they're eating much better. But a lot of the people that I've spoken to, the first thing is uh, the, the, the fact that they're eating in a more disordered manner. So when you're going to work and you have like some structure, you maybe get the same train or the same bus or you start at a similar time because you're going somewhere. Um, then first of all, your first meal of the day, maybe is at a similar time each day. The same thing perhaps for lunch. Maybe even if you was eating it at your desk, you might have the social cues with the people eating or the fact that maybe someone asked you to go for lunch. And so there's going to be some order to the day. So the first thing that I could say for anybody that's working from home is, can you apply that rigor? to the day around your food. So perhaps you've got, uh, you know, a schedule for all of the different calls that you're on, but can you actually say when you're going to have your meal times? Because the routine element for your body, the your digestion, your brain, all of these things really thrive on routine. Um, I know that not necessarily uh, everybody loves that or thinks mentally they do, but from a physiology perspective, our bodies really like the fact that they know they're going to get fed. If they don't get fed for a, a long while, they actually go into panic mode, kick off the stress response. And if you're working through that, that's going to make you less agile. It's going to make you more volatile. Uh, it's going to, you know, that whole aspect of hangry. You're not even realizing how you're reacting to stuff, but you're just hungry and now you're mad at somebody. Um, so getting some rigor to the day. So the first thing I would say is, can you apply some scheduling to your meal times? And especially don't be skipping meals because that's a real common theme that I've seen is that people have been skipping lunch and just working right through until the night and um, often working much more hours than they used to now working from home. Yeah, because you're working the commute time as well. Right. And then and then the time where you would have even just nipped out to prep for 20 minutes and stuff, you're working that too. So people are working much longer. Yeah. So get a routine going and schedule those meal times and don't skip them. So, you know, you're having breakfast at a similar time each day. And, and also the way you eat, and we cover this in the book in quite in depth, but the way you eat is just as important as what you're eating. So we're just talking about the when of your eating. So it's a regular 
um, they're planned, but the way, so away from your desk, away from that work environment that you're in all day, you know, you're leaving it less often likely that, you know, nowadays than you used to, because you just don't have the cues to leave the, t- the desk or go and chat to a friend or a colleague, uh, um, et cetera. So um, make sure you leave your work area, your work environment, and actually take the time to eat. And I would say if you're working from the kitchen table, as a lot of people are, yeah. um, maybe produce that food in the kitchen but then go and sit somewhere else go and sit exactly in a bedroom or on the stairs or in the living room somewhere else basically just to just to switch it up because i think even just moving to change change the view and be just looking at something else Mm -hmm. will just help you to relax and when you say how you eat is as important as what you eat like a lot of that is about stress right and just making sure that you're relaxed as you're starting to digest food yes exactly um without getting too into the detail of it when you're more relaxed your body can digest food much more effectively and efficiently which means more energy that's what we're talking about now we're talking about the game of energy choosing how you want to feel if you're relaxed if you're in a a low stress state your body's going to be able to take that food and do lots of more incredible things with it then if you'd eaten exactly the same meal whilst on a conference call, whilst on a Zoom call, whilst doing emails, etc. And and so this slump that you described that you had in your previous life, you know, before you had this uh, mindset, then that's what's going to get you later. So I always say stop for meals, take lunch. Lunch is not for wimps. That's part of the high energy plan. That's one of our points. And what that will do is that will pay dividends for the afternoon. It is not a cost to your time. It's an investment in your productivity, your mind and your mood for the rest of the day. So take the lunch. For sure. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to ask you about is, I guess, the biggest change in your life since we originally started writing this book a couple of years ago. and that big change has a name. It's called <laughs> Iris. Iris. Yes, my daughter. Um, <laughs> so um, how old is Iris now? Iris is 17 months. Wow. Mm. I is flying. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've just got to ask you about how um, dealing with, you know, being a working mum, a lack of sleep and everything else that, that, you know, being a new parent involves how has that affected your own approach to nutrition? And um, yeah, what's been your experience with that? Yeah, I think firstly, I underestimated the challenge for the parents. Sorry about that in the past. Uh, <laughs> I never really imagined the sleep deprivation to still be going on into toddler years, how naive I was. Um, and uh, I'd, I I thought that I would just get a sleeping baby. (laughs) That didn't happen. Um, That's what I ordered. Didn't happen. Uh, So, yes, I have been battling with sleep deprivation uh, for at least the past year or so now. And and that does really does change the way um, our appetite is geared. So our body then wants certain types of foods. And I think we can all guess what that food is. It's going to be your high carb, like high sugar, high fat foods that you really like snack foods biscuits for one snack bars it's like it's a bit like when you're hungover isn't it that it um, totally is same kind of thing as the sleep deprivation without the party there's no party though i suppose when you're hungover a lot of (laughs) being hungover that feeling is actually about the fact that your body hasn't rested and slept well because of the alcohols it's not just the alcohol itself so it's actually coming from a very similar place physiologically but like you know, when you're hungover or tired, it's for me, it's always about biscuits and chocolate and chips. Yeah. Oh, I'm from Manchester. So chip butty, that's what I would have. Yeah. Chip, chip balm cake, as we call it. But <laughs> um, we won't get into that because that is a whole other, uh, <laughs> a whole other, a whole other podcast. podcast. Absolutely. But I think firstly, it is to be kind to yourself and, uh, you know, honestly, I've eaten more biscuits in the past year than I had in the previous 10. So there you go. No matter how much nutritional knowledge you have or how much of a strong mindset, if you're really tired and you've got this small person begging you for attention, you will find this stuff. Um, But the key thing for me has been not having it in the house. So if I really wanted that stuff, I'd have to get her ready, get out. And that's harder. So in the meantime, I've eaten an apple and half a pack of almonds. And guess what? I've forgotten about it. So having the stuff in has been the real important thing. And I I now see this um, with, 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 with my daughter, Iris, actually, how this is translated into her habits too, because she 
she's not so fussed about her own meals, but she eats mine. Um, so obviously I have to be quite cunning and uh, try and pretend to always eat with her. And uh, and then she'll suddenly be eating off my plate. But my habits have, have become hers, you know, so one of her favorite snacks is nuts um, because I've always got them with me. Uh, she's just naturally, you know, lo- loaned that habit off me now, you know, taking it away. So it's a really good example that we set as well. And, and, and more than ever, I'm this role model to this little girl. Um, so not skipping meals, not starving myself and ensuring that I'm making good choices for myself is then impacting this little person's brain for their lives, lives, lives ahead, life ahead even. Um, so it's, uh, really important that I've had this stuff in and, um, making those shopping lists uh, has and just using the shopping list that I created for the book has been really powerful anyway um you know so my other half he he works off that all the time for our shopping if uh, if it's not me that goes um so between the two of us we we do always have an option uh even if it's not the one I want at the time because I'm so tired and all I want is a piece of chocolate cake uh, the fact that I didn't buy chocolate cake in means that yeah I've got to get us both ready and get out and I have to tell you there's been some days when I've done that so <laughs> and we've gone out and we have got the stuff and I've eaten all the cake but then consistency beats intensity that's the that's whole thing it. right exactly that, you know you you're allowed every now and again to have some cake like go, go and have the cake yeah and and when you give yourself that permission it doesn't it's not as attractive as it would have been it's not a forbidden thing for you so it it's not so much of a, a thing that you kind of really, really lust after because um, it's not forbidden. It's like, if I really want it, I'll go and get it. But actually that's in the cupboard. So I'm going to eat that first. And that's the, the fact of the matter ultimately. And for any parent that's been through, has got young, small children like me, or is a new parent as well. Um, the, these tactics that are within the book are really, really powerful. And I had to eat my own uh, advice day in day and day in day out and the tiredness really is a, a massive challenge uh, to overcome I'm not saying that it's easy it really isn't but the fact that I had nourishing food meant that I was the tiredness isn't making me sick it isn't um, I'm not adding to the tiredness you know by not actually feeding myself well and all of those things are so important for for being a mom and and having the power to to do what I want to do with with uh with my daughter indeed um and yeah <laughs> she she's a little charmer as well right whenever she's sort of in in the background on uh, our zoom calls and, and she like is that. yeah yeah she's a little superstar um as much as she terrorizes me she is uh, amazing as well uh but I, I, I uh, definitely underestimated the lack of sleep guys who whoever's listening to this with, with children. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Previous, I'm, previous I'm sorry for previous clients when you told me how tired you was. I, I didn't know how tired you were. I said I did, but I lied. Um. <laughs> and you're still working with organizations around um, all of this stuff too, right? So should we just finish by, before we talk about the book, mm-hmm. how can people get hold of you and talk to you about perhaps helping their team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so a lot of my work is done working with, with teams and writing kind of approaches to uh, help people feel more energized in their working day. So a lot of the principles we've described today uh, are, are things that I work on in workshops, uh, but I also look at, at the human stress response and strategies for better sleep and how we can uh, make this more available within the workplace in terms of it's more acceptable to talk about this stuff and that people are openly taking care of themselves and creating an environment for that. So yeah, my company is Optimum Living and uh, we are a, a wellbeing consultancy. So we work with lots of big clients such as BT, Vodafone, and uh, other IT organizations. Um, so optimumliving.co.uk is our website, but I'm also on Instagram as Colette Hennigan and I post as regularly as I can as a working mom on their top tips and advice. But you can access, uh, um, you know, this the, the, these kind of insights in a much more tailored way for teams and uh, for organizations through through those channels. And I think one of the ideas for the book was I really felt like, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have some budget to be able to pay you to do 
you know, one-to-one coaching with me and it, it changed my life. But I'm just aware that, you know, a lot of people don't have the resource to be able to do that or perhaps their organization isn't kind of, you know, forward thinking enough to be bringing you in. Mm-hmm. So the vision really was to put all of the stuff that really matters into into a book, which is actually, even though I think the retail price is nine ninety nine, I think it's already like six quid on Amazon. So they're, they're obviously trying to jump ahead and um, sell it cheaper. As what Amazon a bargain. That's just like a sandwich um, somewhere. That is Six quid, right? Yeah, yeah that one, is for the, the price yeah, of one lunch. Price of a crap lunch. Yeah. You can change your energy energy levels for life and your eating approach for life. And, and not just for you, but for perhaps the people around you, like I just described with my, my daughter, but bargain six pounds for sure yeah (laughs) so we'll put in the show notes we'll put the links to how to have the energy the book on amazon and we'll also put the link in there for bookshop.org as well for those of you who don't want to pay uh mr bezos uh, too much money. Also, I've, I've written tax avoiding Bezos. Graham, I've written a couple of articles recently about working from home, so I can share those as well. So oh, nice. I gave uh, just a, you know one of my key tips, which is that routine um, and uh, you know having those scheduled meal times, not skipping meals. But there's more in the articles if people uh, would like to access those too. Cool. Thanks, Colette. Yeah, we'll put all of that in the show notes, uh, which is at getbeyondbusy.com. And just to say, Colette, thanks for being on Beyond Busy again. You are the first person to do Beyond Busy twice. Oh my goodness. Look at that. There you go. So you should feel honored. Yeah, I am totally honored. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I'm just really looking forward to this book getting out there into the world and and helping people. So yeah, um, me too. Can't wait. And can't wait for people to be sharing those stories like they have with WorkFuel, but perhaps on a, on a bigger scale. So it's uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey so far and can't wait for this new chapter 2021. So I hope you enjoyed that one. That was um, obviously with the view to just putting that book on your radar at the time that it's uh, about to be released out into the world. So head off to bookshop.org, head off to Amazon and pre-order or order your copy of How to Have the Energy. And if you're lucky enough to live in an area where the bookshops are open, go into a real bookshop and buy a real copy of the book. So if you want to find out more about the work that I'm doing, if you go to grahamalcott.com, you can sign up for my Rev Up for the Week email list. So you just fill in the little form on the page. And if you want more about the podcast, obviously just head over to getbeyondbusy.com. And at getbeyondbusy.com, you'll find links for the previous episodes, the show notes from this episode, more about Colette's work, all of that good stuff. So getbeyondbusy.com for more about the podcast. And just as we reach the end of the year, this is my my last duty, really, of uh, 2020 is just to sign off this podcast. Um, just want to just wrap up the year a little bit. So, yeah, it's been a long year. And uh, just want to say thank you for all of the interactions this year and for uh, just enjoying and consuming these podcasts and uh, and letting me know uh, what you think of it. So uh, keep in touch and keep those messages coming. Always happy to get emails. Graham at thinkproductive.co.uk. I hope you've survived through the year. It feels like there's definitely a, a kind of malaise of... Um, you know, depression and exhaustion and people just really running out of steam towards the end of the year, feeling that too myself. So if that's you, then uh, just take a breath for yourself and, um, you know, just give yourself a breather. Don't give yourself too much of a hard time and just allow yourself that little moment to just acknowledge, yeah, it's been a hard year. It's been difficult. And in order to, to really be set for 2021 and raring to go, We need rest and recuperation. So be kind to yourself and let that happen over the next few weeks. That's my invitation to you. It's been a tough year, eh? So I want to say a quick thank you to a few people before we finish. Thanks as ever to Mark Steadman, my producer on the show. And for all your support this year, Mark, it's been uh, just uh, definitely, I mean, it's certainly been the busiest year for this podcast yet. We've, We've had the most number of episodes. We've done the most work on it. And it feels like we've really wrapped, ramped up our production in lots of ways. So uh, thank you, Mark, for your help with that. Uh, likewise to Emily, there's so much work that goes on in, in this podcast behind the scenes. You know, just it, it kind of looks easy, you know, just line up an hour with a guest and just record it and there you go. But 
there's a lot more to it than that. And um, all the work that Emily's been doing this year has really helped us to uh, really hone this operation around Beyond Busy. Take it weekly, get more marketing and publicity happening for it. So it's been a lot happening. So I want to say just a huge thank you to Emily and also to Riz and Sharice, the other members of, of Team Graham Alcott, um, both working away on Beyond Busy episode 100 and uh, getting lots of other exciting stuff in the diary. So thanks also to Riz and Sharice and also to Apple and Klein and Jess for all your help with marketing this year. Really um, helping me up my game and get this podcast out to more people. So that's been really great. And to Elena and everyone around Think Productive, um, it's been uh, a year that could have completely derailed us just with everything that happened earlier in the year. And I feel like we're coming through it as a leaner, hungrier, better, more innovative uh, and uh, just, you know, better placed organisation. So really happy with where Think Productive is finishing the year uh, compared to where we started it and where we could have been. And looking forward to lots more in 2021. So um, I'm off to drink far too many cups of tea over the next few days. Um, currently curled up at home reading uh, Matt Haig's book, The Midnight Library, So, uh, which I've been meaning to do for about two months and it's just been sat around in my house, finally getting the time and space. So whatever you're doing this Christmas and New Year, make sure you get some rest, make sure you get that recuperation and self-care and uh, just give yourself a break. Uh, it feels like we've been in crisis mode all year and sometimes you really need to spend some time transitioning out of crisis mode and finding that equilibrium back with uh, normality again. So it has been a really difficult one. It's a nice one to get out of the way and to say that by the time I next speak to you, it will be 2021 and lots of really incredible plans coming your way. We have the compilation for Beyond Busy 100, which I think you're going to really love. And we're starting off the year with a really great guest. So Guardian columnist Oliver Berkman, who has for years been writing this column, This Will Change Your Life. And as a result, he probably knows more about self-help books for good and for bad than anyone else. So I thought that'd be a really nice one to start off 2021. So we'll be back with Oliver uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So until then, just want to say thanks to everybody for, for listening this year, for dropping me a message this year. And uh, always happy to hear from you. So graham at thinkproductive.co.uk or just at Graham Alcott on Instagram. Would love to hear from you. Have a great Christmas. Have a restful and recuperating break. See you in 2021. Take care. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.